This is Clutch Fans. And by the way, shout out to the Clutch Fans. You're listening to the Clutch Fans Podcast, an open conversation for Houston Rockets diehards. Houston Rockets is unbeatable. I'm ready to get on Clutch Fans. Now, here's your host, the man who would have drafted Harold Miner over Robert Ory, Dave Hardesty. Welcome back to the podcast. It's uh, been a while. We are at draft week, and it's uh, an exciting time after, frankly, a, a long sort of slow dead period, surprisingly. June has uh, historically been very busy on the rumor mill for the Houston Rockets, but not so much uh, this year uh, after a very successful season. I'm here with my good friend David Weiner. You know him as uh, Beamathug on the board. Uh, he's an attorney here in Houston who is an expert on all things cap. He knows the Rockets cap in, uh, situation inside and out. And he loves the NBA draft much like I do. And uh, this is a fun time for both of us. David, thanks for, for joining me. Uh, happy to be here as always, Dave. Are you pretty much just taking off work all week for this? Or what's your situation? Oh, I, I wish. No, no. So hard at work, <laughs> well, although... Uh... I might be uh, taking off uh, a little bit early on Thursday. <laughs> right. You know, it's uh, it's been basically four, maybe five years where the Rockets have, have pretty much dominated uh, the offseason rumor mill. They've just controlled they, – they've had their hands in pretty much everything. Um, they're sitting at the draft, uh, you know, about to um, approach free agency as well, uh, holding picks 18 and 32. Um, but it's just been very quiet, surprisingly, this offseason so far. We're about to get to the busy part of it. Uh, but maybe you could, first of all, give us sort of a, a rundown. We're going to talk about Sergio Yule, uh, Josh Smith, and, and sort of the Rockets' approach to this offseason. But maybe you could give us a quick rundown on, on what they have at their disposal uh, in free agency and, and, uh, and, you know, what they have at their disposal trade-wise. Talked about this a little bit in my last uh, salary cap update, which you can find on clutchfans.net. Um, basically, the the Rockets have they have options, but in the end, they they sort of don't. Uh, if they wanted to create cap room, barring trades, and I know that's a huge caveat because uh, the Rockets are known to make a trade or two, but uh, barring trades, if the Rockets renounced everyone, renounce the rights to their draft pick. Uh, they really couldn't create more than uh, about seven to ten million dollars in cap room, which really isn't enough to to move the needle on getting a, a major free agent. Um, in the alternative, what they can do is remain over the cap. They can retain the rights to all their free agents, um, in which case they could also exceed the cap by using the mid-level exception or MLE. Um, there, there's two main types of MLEs. Uh, one is the taxpayer MLE, which is like $3.4 million, and the other is the non-taxpayer MLE, which most people call the, the quote-unquote full mid-level, which is about $5.5 million. Um, they could use either one of those. However, if they use the, the full non-taxpayer mid-level exception, um, it will create a hard cap for them at the apron level, which is $4 million above the luxury tax. Basically, uh, at the 
eighty-five million dollar mark. Um, that shouldn't be too big an impediment. Like I think they could still use that full MLE uh, and still have wiggle room to re-sign guys and maybe add a add a piece without uh, you know running up against the hard cap too quickly. But uh, Daryl Morey has said on multiple occasions in radio interviews and, and newspaper interviews that um, that the team expects to operate over the cap. And that's what I expect them to do as well. And just so people don't get too nervous about that, I mean, the Rockets were at that same or operated under that same condition last year, correct? At that hard cap at the apron level, meaning because they signed Papa Nicolau with the MLE and uh, Nick, you know, part of it to Nick Johnson, they used their MLE is what I'm getting at. Uh, they, they were operating under that same cap, correct? Exactly. Another thing that created the hard cap was also when they, when they acquired uh, Trevor Ariza via sign and trade. Uh, which is another way to trigger the hard cap. But you're right, they they did both. They got a reason, sign and trade, and they used the full non-taxpayer mid-level on Papa Nicolau and Nick Johnson. They were hard capped, uh, which was actually this this season that's just ending now was a lower level and it'll be uh, this upcoming season. And they were able to to maneuver around it. They added Corey Brewer, they added Josh Smith, all without running afoul of the hard cap. You know, we, uh, we're definitely going to jump into the draft. I mean, we're, there's going to be a lot to talk about there, but I, I do want to talk a little bit about Sergio Ewell first. Um, this, you know, obviously the Rockets are going to go fishing for the, the big guys first. It, you know, and if somebody says yes, then they'll try to move mountains to make things happen. But right now, the most likely route is they're going to try to add Sergio Ewell with their mid-level exception. That's sort of the uh, worst-kept secret out there right now. Uh, will he come over is the big question. You know, we've... We've seen a ton of smoke uh, from Europe, um, you know, that says, you know, he's he's going to leave Real Madrid. He's going to come over to the NBA. Finally, um, we haven't seen, you know, I've talked to other people. I have not heard anything here that says he's definitely coming. I tend to believe it because there has been so much uh, information coming over from Europe, but uh, we just don't know whether he's going to, you know, take this, make this decision and do it. But if he doesn't come this season, when will he ever come to the NBA? Right. I mean, it, it. this would be an opportune time basketball-wise for him to come because I don't think the Rockets have ever had a greater need at the point guard spot. Uh, and as we can talk about in a little bit, the, you know, I think Yule's skill set works really well with what the Rockets need. Um, he, he might want to wait till next summer when every team, including the Rockets, should have a ton of cap room and he can get – if he if he could command it, he can get a ludicrous amount of money from the Rockets, or if they trade his rights, some other team. Uh, so there might be some incentive to wait another year. Um, you know, it, it, it's just tricky for him. I mean, Real Madrid is one win away from winning the the ACB League and basically pulling off a sweep. I think winning every championship uh, in Europe all in one season, which would kind of uh, be cap off his European playing career. I think he will have nothing else to prove over there. But you know, at the end of the day, he's he's from Spain. He's from that part of Spain, I believe. Uh, he's a hometown hero. He's a star on his team. Uh, he, he's he's home in Madrid. Uh, that's a, a great you know personal situation for him. So to uproot his life and move across the Atlantic to to Houston, Texas is you know a lot to ask, but I hope that the competitor in him realizes this is the next step in his basketball 
evolution to to prove himself on the on the biggest stage in the world. This is a guy who I think really can help the Rockets. He's very quick, certainly very experienced. I mean, there will be a learning curve when he gets to the NBA, but he'll ramp up quickly. I think uh, I, I'd liken it maybe to uh, Luis Scola's learning curve, where the first you know handful of games he looked a little lost, but quickly got the the um, feel for the NBA game. I talked to Sam Hinkie back when he was at the Rockets a few years ago. Um, he likened him to uh, a Lowry or a Dragic, who both were on the Rockets at the time, really called him a combo guard, a guy who isn't a pure point but can score. I think he, there's a lot of things to like about how he would fit with Harden, um, and to be able to get him for an MLE type of offer I think would be you know a great move by the Rockets but it's just a matter of whether he's going to do you know when he's going to make that decision to do it and come over and you have to think given that the Rockets are about to enter the NBA draft uh, here in just a, a day or two um, and they're going into free agency that they have to have a good idea of whether he's going to come I mean how do you think the timing of his decision sort of impacts the Rockets draft plans well I mean it, it's funny if I if if i I believe I'm correct on this, not 100%. I think Real Madrid plays their next uh, finals game uh, on Wednesday, the day before the draft. And, you know, best-case scenario, Real Madrid wins, completes the sweep, wins the championship, and he can very quickly thereafter make up his mind and decide to come to Houston. Sure. But it, it, it's quite, it, it, it's quite a, you know, possible that – you know, and realistically and reasonably so, that Yule will not have made a decision by the time the Rockets are picking at 18. Now, they, we might be rushing him for for a quick decision because uh, that might affect uh, who you know who the Rockets take at 18. But you know, it, I think it is at least somewhat unreasonable to to criticize Yule if he ha- if he hasn't made up his mind by that time. You know, uh, I, I have not been able to get anything out really on Yule, like I mentioned. Um, I have heard a lot of positive things about Josh Smith, um, about the, the chances of him coming back to Houston, because, you know, as you've written about, uh, if the Rockets make that MLE offer or use most, if not all, of the MLE on uh, Sergio Yule, they really only have an early bird offer to make to Josh Smith of about roughly $2.5 million. Whether he'd take that, I don't know, but I've been hearing a lot of positive things about him uh, wanting to come back. I mean, we... Everybody knows that, you know, Josh Smith and Dwight Howard are buddies uh, since they were kids. I mean, apparently Smith has become really good friends with James Harden as well. I would, you know, really upon hearing that, I'd say seeing those guys interacting in the locker room, that's definitely been the case. Um, and same, I heard the same thing about Smith and Corey Brewer. He Basically, he's got a lot of good friends on this team. Uh, and to sort of cap it off, he loves Kevin McHale. I mean, he—he he, uh, this is a coach who encouraged him to be aggressive and take the open three. I don't think he's really had that uh, before. Um, and in in sort of, from what I've heard, in Smith's view, McHale sort of helped change the story of his career. I mean, this was a guy who, I mean, frankly, after the first few games that the Rockets added him, a lot of people, national media, said this was a huge mistake and he was never going to get it. Uh, and he ended up having in several games, a pretty big positive impact. I think if you're able to get him for $2.5 million, if you add uh, Yule, um, that's the kind of sacrifice, in my opinion, that could really uh, kickstart a great offseason for this team. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I mean, ever since he was acquired uh, last December, I've kind of had my fingers crossed that this would be a good situation for him and that 
come, come this summer, uh, he'd be willing to accept that non-bird tender of, of just shy of two and a half million. Um, you know, people like to point to the fact that Detroit is paying him uh, all this money from uh, his the, the deal he signed two years ago, um, but you know he's he's I guess only I should say only in quotes uh, going to get. million per year from Detroit instead of 13 and a half because it was uh, his payment was stretched. So he'll get that over more years. But from a cash flow standpoint, you know, if he was if he was planning to get 13 and a half million dollars this coming season, he's he's only getting you know 5.4 from Detroit, and then uh, that amount will actually be offset somewhat by whatever new salary he uh, he signs with Houston or or wherever else. I think uh, if he signs the, the, the non-bird tender of 2.5, I think the, when you account for offset, his total income next year between Detroit and Houston would be about $7 million, a little over $7 million. Uh, and you know, most people would be happy with $7 million, but he can always sign somewhere else for a lot more. And, and, and basically, for every, for every dollar – more he signs for with another team, it's 50 cents more he'll make total between his new team and Detroit. So there's still financial incentive for him to get every dollar he can. And, you know, I'm not one to begrudge someone for wanting to, to make more money. Um, but it, it, I'm really hoping that uh, he doesn't push too hard for that MLE because the Rockets could really use it on Yule or KJ McDaniels or an outside free agent. Uh, and rather that he take that that non-bird tender. So, fingers crossed. (laughs) You know, uh, you and I spoke before this call uh, just briefly, and we kind of avoided talking about the draft. Every time we start to talk about it, we're like, okay, let's stop right there. So I have no idea what players in this draft you like for the Rockets and and vice versa. Uh, So I'm I'm very curious to, to hear some of your thoughts on this. You know, first of all, you know, you said, you know, the Rockets always go best player available, and that's definitely been their philosophy. I was convinced as we got near the end of the season that, uh, you know, they were going to go point guard in the first round, hands down. Had no choice. I, I didn't see how other, you know, another way they might get a uh, high-quality point guard. Two things, though, have kind of changed my view, and I'm just now flat out it's BPA, best player available moving forward, um, is they dropped from 14 to 18, or, you know, likely where they were going to be at 14, um, and Chris Dunn of Providence, the guy I liked the most point guard wise in this draft, um, pulled out of the draft. So I, I'm curious your thoughts. Where do you think the Rockets, what, what is their philosophy moving in with holding picks 18 and 32 uh, going into this draft? Well, aside from the annual attempts to move up, move back, trade out, get a veteran, uh, you know, they're, they're always looking to deal. Uh, but assuming they stay where they are at 18 and 32, um, I, I have to say best player available. I, I probably would say, would have said it uh, a couple months ago, and I'll still say it because you know, the fact is all these rookies are going to end up playing most of the rookie season in in Valley for the Vipers. Um, you know, maybe we'll we'll kind of get a Chandler Parsons or a Chase Buttinger who's ready very early on in the rookie season to contribute as a rotation piece. Uh, but for the most part, uh, Rockets rookies have uh, have not done much their rookie seasons. Clint Capella was a that was a freak freak occurrence. That's that uh, D 
Zemo got injured and, uh, you know, a lot of things fell into place for Clint Capella to even step on the floor uh, at the end of the season. And so that was a, it, you know, it was a revelation. It's great. Um, but, you know, I'm not holding my breath on whoever they take at 18 to be a major contributor next season. Now, it'd be great if they were, but I'm not holding my breath. And for that reason, sure. and since there's so much roster turnover every year, um, I just think they're going to take the, whoever's at the top of their board, regardless of position. You know, uh, you know, they could take a power forward, and I'm sure, you know, 70% of Rocket fans are going to roll their eyes at a pick like that. But the fact of the matter is, Josh Smith's a free agent right now. Terrence Jones and Demo are going to be restricted free agents next summer. Sure. There's no guarantee that any of the the power forwards on the roster currently will be here in 12 months. So, you know, they're going to take the top talent on the board. Personally, I'd like, I hope the top talent on the board when they pick as a point guard, just because I'd like to see some roster balance uh, for next season. But they really could go at any, any of the five positions, although I think center is pretty well manned right now. Yeah. Um, well, you know, let's be honest. The, the draft information for the Rockets is pretty much sealed airtight outside of Daryl Morey and, you know, maybe the St. Louis Cardinals. I don't think anyone has any idea, you know, whether, where, how they rank these guys. So I just want to point out this is mainly just opinion. I'm, I'm curious yours, uh, and I certainly want to express mine. Who do you like in this draft for the Rockets? Uh, granted, they may not be available at 18, but, you know, in, in sort of that range, maybe, you know, guys projected to go nine to 30 or so, who do you like uh, that you think would, would be good fits here? Uh, well, mo- most people have uh, Tyus Jones, point guard from Duke, penciled in to the Rockets. There's all sorts of rumors about the Rockets loving him, he, him being an analytics darling. And I certainly would have no problem with, with, uh, with the Rockets taking Jones in 18, but uh, personally I, I slightly prefer Jaron Grant. Uh, 6'5 point guard from Notre Dame, uh, mostly because he has the size to play either guard position. Um, with Harden basically being the Rockets' de facto point guard, uh, you want guys with size who can shoot it. Uh, Grant's not the best shooter, but he's not a bad shooter. Um, and also, it, it's nice to have a positional versatility where uh, – you can switch on defense and guard multiple positions. The the Warriors just won a championship throwing out five guys, you know, four of whom could guard three or four different positions at one time. So the more six five, six seven guys you can put out there together, uh, I think the better. You know, that's it. That's interesting. I I have to admit, for me, for between Jones and Grant, I mean, I like Cameron Payne too. He's interesting. I, I feel like all of the point guards in this range have some sort of flaw that makes me take a step back. Um, I think, and it's very, very close for me between Jones and Grant. I think I prefer Jones. Um, but you know what? Grant is low turnover. He's got the size. I just worry that what you, the, the best you're going to get out of Grant is what you're going to see now, that maybe he doesn't have that athleticism um, and the defensive ability to be there long term. But I like his size. Um, you know, he's, he's hit some big shots. He's taken some big shots. Um, and you know, like I said, he's low turnover, which I think is a, a key part of what you need there. I like Jones. I think he's more of a long-term pick. Um, I think he's got shooting ability. He can play make. Um, if there's such a thing as a clutch gene, he has showed that, 
Uh, I, and he's very, very young, whereas Grant is, like I said, a little bit older and, and sort of you, you wonder about his uh, his ability. But i got to be honest, I think the two guys I like the most are, are not point guards, which is, is what surprises me. Uh, the first guy I really like is Bobby Portis out of Arkansas. I, you know, again, I'm going off of just studying and read, reading about the guy and watching a lot of clips. I just really like the fact that he's got the physical tools, uh, wingspan, and he's got a, from what so many people have said, just this high motor. The fact that he's got range and can probably defend multiple positions, I think that's the direction the, the league is going, sort of what Draymond Green is showing us. Um, is you want that that big three that can play that four position, uh, a la Robert Ory back in the day, and just is versatile and can defend, can really defend. Now he's not uh, Portis is not elite at any of these uh, skills, but he can do a lot of things, and I think um, I like his potential there. And surprisingly, the other name is Trey Lyles um, out of Kentucky. I I just think there's a lot of untapped potential there. I don't think there's anything he's necessarily shown that says Yes, but he's got all the physical tools of power forward. Hasn't shown three-point range yet, but I, you look at him and think he could uh, eventually. You just worry a little bit about him defensively. But I think offensively, size-wise, he's got a lot of positives uh, for me. But those are the two guys that jump out uh, right now to me the most. No, those are, those, are, those are some good players right there. And, you know, I, I certainly would be would be happy with, uh, with either Portis or Lyles. Um, uh, actually, since you bring up some forwards, uh, a couple other players I wouldn't mind uh, the Rockets taking um, would be a couple small forwards, uh, because really on our roster right now we have Trevor Ariza and then no guarantee of anything else. Brewer's a free agent. KJ McDaniels is a restricted free agent who we very well may not be able to match any offers for. Um, but uh, if he's still on the board at 18, Sam Decker – uh, from Wisconsin, really? six nine, small forward. Uh, some mocks have him falling into into our range. Uh, early mocks had him as a late lottery pick, but uh, uh, some are saying he might be slipping a little bit. He reminds me kind of uh, to sorry for the uh, obligatory <laughs> white guy comparison, but he reminds me a lot of Chandler Parsons from his, from a from a size and wingspan standpoint. Although Parsons, I think, was a little bit better playmaker. Uh, I I just like Decker's scoring ability coming out of Wisconsin a, a little bit more than Parsons from when he came out from Florida, uh, but you know, eighty percent match there on skill set, but definitely similar body type. A guy who's got the length to guard some fours and small ball lineups. Um, he's intriguing. I also like Justin Anderson. Yes, uh, yeah. six, six small forward from from UVA. Um, he's a, a, a good defender. Tough, rugged player can guard twos, threes, and fours if necessary. And this past year really saw a spike in his three-point shooting. And if he can carry that that three-point shooting over, he would be uh, a real nice three and D type player that that could potentially be uh, an early contributor. Yeah, I agree with you on Anderson. Um, I, I think eighteen. I, we'll have to see. Eighteen may be early for him, but I. I um, you know, if his as you mentioned, his three point shooting in his final season, it was a huge jump because he hadn't shown that range uh, in his, I believe, his first two years. But uh, he shot over forty five percent, I believe, as a junior. And 
you have to if that carries over as you mentioned it's he's certainly a very intriguing player you know won't be there at 18 but the guy I liked early on I, I do like Devin Booker I know um, some people are maybe a little bit south on him but I just feel like uh, you have to take a chance on uh, on a potentially elite shooter who may grow into more I mean we Troy a guy like Troy Daniels is an elite shooter can't do anything else really up to this point uh, but Devin Booker um, has a good you know uh, IQ for the game and you know he's young he's a, he was just a freshman at Kentucky I, thought, I do like him I'm surprised to see Willie Cauley-Stein dropping on some mocks I big I actually think he's going to be a, a defensive stud in the league uh, we'll see how he how he turns out, but he was you know projected top five uh, for much of the uh, the time, and I think he's now dropping uh, in a lot of mock drafts. But yeah, I, will I wouldn't hold you, I wouldn't hold your breath on him being available at eighteen. Though. Oh yeah, no no doubt. I mean, he's definitely not going to fall to eighteen. But I'm you know you you wonder about if he drops down there as far as a trade up uh, possibility. But you know that's certainly jumping ahead. Um, yeah, those are mainly the guys I think I like. I have to admit, I am somewhat intrigued by DeLon Wright. I think offensively, he's the wrong fit uh, for the team. But his size and defensive ability is tempting. You know, I, I think that's something that just does somewhat intrigue me. He's been moving up some mock boards, um, and, and we'll see. But I'm, I'm just not in love with the point guard pool that they have to pick from. I'd almost like to see them... Uh, you know, use this pick for power forward. Size is so expensive in this game to get via free agency. It's a great opportunity, in my opinion, in the draft to get cheap size guys who can really, uh, you know, big players who can contribute. Um, and if you don't love that guard, you got to go with something else. And so I think that's what, uh, you know, Tyus Jones may be the pick, but I think if they can add Yule, and, and get another point guard via trade or, or keep Beverly perhaps, then maybe they go with a power forward here at 18. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, and, uh, you know, referencing y- your old buddy Chad Ford's uh, draft tiers, Colin, <laughs> um, you know, th- th- that, that's one piece that I always look forward to every year because I really do like the insight uh, and uh, based on consensus from various GMs. And even if every GM in the league is trying to, throw misinformation at Chad Ford, the fact that each GM has his own agenda and they're building a consensus, usually the agendas cancel each other out for the most part and you kind of get a good feel about who actually belongs in each of these tiers. I think, I would assume the Rockets employ some variation of a tiers approach and if there's one guy left in a higher tier that doesn't fit a positional need, they're definitely going to take that guy over someone in the lower tier. But I'd like to think all else equal, if, if there's you know five guys in the same tier, that maybe they go point guard. But but like you say, if they have Portis or Lyles in a higher tier than Jones or Grant, well then by all means they need to take the, the higher tier player. You know, and number 32. I mean, it's the second pick of the second round. What? How, how do you see the NBA landscape shaping up here? Is are things changing here? I mean, this has always been a a top pick because it's you know the second pick uh, of sort of a non guaranteed contract selections. Um, what do you see? You know, the Rockets do they have a little bit of cash to spend going into the draft? Where do you see them utilizing this pick uh, perhaps best going into the draft? Well. Um you know, in, in prior years, having a pick in the low 30s, so 31 being being the, the best 
of the bunch, but anywhere from 31 to 35. Those in in recent prior years have been viewed as in some ways better than very late first round picks, largely because you could offer non guaranteed contracts. That there was no rookie scale, uh, which essentially is a minimum two years guaranteed contract with kind of unfavorable timing on the team options for years three and four. You, and if you had a piece of your mid-level exception, you can essentially dra- uh, sign these these early second-rounders to, to really favorable contracts. You know, it's kind of like what the Rockets have done in years past with Chandler Parsons, Chase Budinger, uh, what they did with Nick Johnson, basically signing him to a three-year minimum deal using a portion of the MLE. Um but as the Rockets' own K.J. McDaniels has shown, um, sometimes a very early second-round pick may choose to invest in himself, and instead of taking a multi-year deal where maybe there's a little bit extra guaranteed money on the front end, uh, they might start taking the one-year rookie minimum deal, which is the required minimum tender that a team has to offer a second-round pick in order to retain his, his rights. Um, you might start seeing some of the top second-rounders taking these one-year deals like K.J. McDaniels, hitting restricted free agency really early, and making more money on the front end of their careers. And it is at least possible that how, as great as the 32nd pick is, if the Rockets are looking at an American college player who's maybe a first-round talent who just slips to the early second round, there might be some worry that there could be another K.J. McDaniel situation where the, the player just takes a one-year deal and then they have to worry about overpaying him like they are currently worrying about with K.J. McDaniel. So there have been some rumors. Ken Berger of CBS, I think, uh, recently uh, reported a rumor the Rockets were looking to possibly trade up uh, into the late first round hmm. to get a second first-round pick. And it very well could be that Part of the incentive there, if they're going to move up from 32, maybe throw in a, a little sweetener, Nick Johnson, some money, uh, take on some other, someone else's salary, that they're looking to get that rookie-scale deal, which you know, you're looking at next year maybe a million to a million and a half of cap room eaten up, which is really not that much. And, um, and getting a good talent that falls maybe late to the first round, locking him up for – four years on a cheap rookie scale deal when the cap spikes, those long-term rookie deals are getting more and more valuable for first-round picks. So we may be seeing uh, the landscape changing a little bit where those late first-rounders might start becoming more valuable and those early seconds maybe a little less valuable. Yeah, that's interesting because that's, uh, you know, the Rockets possibly changing uh, sort of the NBA trends again. You know, it was a Parsons contract that that sort of, was such a bargain, and, and now KJ McDaniel's signing that that uh, you know one-year deal. I think it was the same agent, Mark Bartlestein, I believe, uh, who signed both of those contracts. You know, so if they do stay at 32, does that make it more likely, in your opinion, that it's more of a Euro stash pick? I think there are you know two or three centers um, overseas that a lot that uh, you know a lot of mock drafts feel will go in that range because they. You know, for example, could be offered more money down the line, perhaps an MLE type offer uh, to bring them over. I mean, I, I, I thought even even before kind of 
probably overanalyzing the, the issue of late first versus early second. Um, I was of the belief that unless a guy that was particularly high on their draft board slipped, um, that they probably all else equal prefer a, a, a draft and stash player. Um, you know, I won't pretend to know much about the uh, the European prospects outside of uh, Porzingis and Hazonia, uh, neither of whom the Rockets have any chance of getting. Um, but you know, they're going to have a lot of young players on their team. Could they add two rookies to their roster for this coming training camp? Sure, uh, and I think they'll create a spot for that player, but. You know, it's certainly not going to be – it will be one more player that is not expected to contribute to the rotation next year. Yeah, yeah you may be right. Uh, there's a couple guys. Uh, Hernan Gomez is one of them. Uh, the guy, Arturis Guditis, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, out of Lithuania. Uh, some of his video clips have been pretty intriguing, pretty aggressive uh, center offensively, can rebound. Um, sort of a long-term pick, but uh, I think he picked up basketball later in his career. But – uh, certainly, he's sort of the opposite of Demo out of Lithuania, and that he tries to dunk everything. Um, but yeah, there's, there's, I think there's going to be some interesting uh, possibilities there. So I think we know. Yeah, but, uh, now you, 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 Dave, you talked about, um, you know, going for a draft and stash, and uh, you, you mentioned the Rockets maybe having some money to spend. Uh, one thing that Les Alexander has been willing to do in years past, and, and the Rockets have actually done, is buy late second-round picks to stash uh, European prospects. Uh, they've done it the last two drafts with uh, Furkan Aldemir and uh, Alessandro Gentile, uh, both of whom look to be very promising. Aldemir has since uh, signed a, a decent-sized multi-year deal with Philadelphia, and uh, Gentile looks to have... Uh, uh, a promising career trajectory and, and possibly joining the Rockets in another year or two. Um, we might see the Rockets do that again this uh, on Thursday. Uh, they have only $800,000 left in available cash to spend for this season. Uh, I believe they paid a million dollars for the Gentile pick last year, and he was, uh, I think, in the in the I think he was 53rd. So, um, you know, for those who are in, actually going to watch the whole draft, which I, I, I seem to be in the minority, most people kind of tuned out after the, the 40th pick or so. But, um, you know, keep your eye out for, for European players drafted in the 50s because it very well could be that one of those players' uh, draft rights is going to get bought by Les Alexander. Interesting. Yeah, that, that's uh, certainly a possibility as well. They, they... They like to exhaust every uh, pos- every option they have in the, going into the draft. Um, you know, trade possibilities, because I think we know it's going to be, at least as far as Pursuit, Yule, uh, they're going to try to keep uh, Brewer and Smith, um, and they're going to go into the draft with that as uh, guys they either pick to, for the team or, or trade. Um, but trade target is is the big question still. I think we, we've speculated uh, Ty Lawson, Kyle Lowry. Um, I personally like Lowry more than I do Lawson. I I have always heard um, that the Rockets just didn't really, you know, they didn't feel Law, uh, Lawson was a great fit for this team. Um, I have heard recently that uh, James Harden would like to see Ty Lawson here. Um, I I guess I'm I'm guessing here that they are friends. 
despite the Dallas Cowboys defensive coordinator situation. Uh, but, uh, you know, that's the only thing I've heard. I mean, as far as trade targets, I really don't know, but I, I would be willing to bet the Rockets are uh, trying to look at a point guard in uh, via trade. Yeah, I mean, I've, you know, I've kind of heard the Lawson and Lowry rumors as well. I, I completely agree with you that Lowry would be a much better fit. He's a flat-out better player, and he also obviously fits with the Rockets-style play. Uh, as much as he didn't get along with Mikhail in, the, in their year together, uh, Lowry still played well when he was healthy under Mikhail. So, um, you know, having his playmaking plus, you know, defensive ability. He's short, but he's, you know, stocky. He's like a bowling ball. Um, you know, he can help them a lot more defensively than, than Lawson can, who's just, just really, really small. Um, but, you know, th- th- there's a possibility that they could, you know, make a draft night trade or uh, possibly uh, agree to a trade in principle on or before the draft. And then uh, when the salary cap turns over uh, next month, consummated after the July moratorium, kind of like what they did with Omer Ashik. They agreed uh, with the Pelicans on the trade, I think the night before the draft, but they didn't actually execute the trade until July 15 because they had to wait for certain salaries to flip over and, and, and adjust for the new salary cap year. You know, as far as Lowry, I have struggled to see how they could pull that off, but I do think if you were to look at trying to trade for Lowry, you might be t- looking at Yule going to Toronto, just uh, given sort of their international city situation. Uh, just see, if they were to take a step back and re- retool, rebuild, whatever you want to call it, in Toronto, I could see them warning Yule if they're moving out Lowry. Yeah, and, and one interesting aspect uh, with Yule is, um, and I, I, I'm pretty sure of this, uh, I, I don't want to say I'm 100% sure, but not only could you trade his draft rights, which would count $0 in trade, but because he is a draft pick, if they were to sign him to the MLE on, let's say, July 10, I believe the, for draft picks, they can be traded 30 days after they sign, and I don't think that's specific to first-round picks. So it is possible. Again, I'm not. I'm, I don't. Don't hold me as 100%. But it is possible the Rockets could sign Yule to a mid-level exception deal, five and a half million, and then 30 days later use him as filler. I mean, he would the the, the caliber player he is. He would be a, a, a trade asset in, in his abilities, but also could use him as salary filler of five and a half million and combine them with other salaries. Again, not 100% sure, but I, I believe that is a possibility. That said, I'm, I think it is doubtful that they would sign and then 30 days later trade you in that scenario. I just think it might be possible under the cap. Sure, sure. Well, we're, we're going to see what happens, man. Anything you, uh, you want to add before we, we close out here? I, mean, I think this is going to be a, a, a fun draft. I think, you know, Daryl Morey likened it to the 2012 draft, and you and I both said uh, don't take Terrence Jones, and that's the one thing that turned out right for the Rockets from that draft. So, uh, well, in, in fairness, in fairness, we were, we were talking about the 14th pick at the time. And 18th with a third of their three picks, which I think they didn't even get the 12th pick after we finished our <laughs> podcast. With, with, if you had told me they'd have three picks and the third of the three they take Terrence Jones, I would say yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, no, and you're right. And, you know, the funny part about that is 
we, you know, we joked around about that at the time. We liked Terrence Jones as a player. We just didn't think – we just thought he didn't separate himself from what the, the, the power force the Rockets had at the time. But, uh, yeah, obviously, you know, it shows you the Rockets don't care about what they have on their roster. They go uh, BPA almost every time. So, so in, in other words, uh, listeners, everyone we just named, they're, they're off the board. <laughs> exactly. Well, now, hold on. I'm going to go on the record as saying – the Rockets would be stupid to pick Carl Anthony Towns. All right. Okay. He's a Rocket. Good. Let's make that happen. Absolutely. That's going to be a fun one, man. I'm looking forward to it. And, uh, you know, the offseason is going to get underway here as well. July, uh, you know, one, the free agency, uh, uh, you know, negotiation period begins as well. And uh, we'll see, what, you know, what the Rockets get involved in. But I uh, appreciate you taking the time, and uh, we'll do it again here soon. Sounds great. Appreciate it as always. 